Hi, this is Ed Hat. I'm here with my girlfriend, Linda Bourdon. Hi, it's good to be here with you. So today I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 11. Here we go. I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. So Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Thanks. Uh, Hey, Ed, can you throw some light on this guy that caused all the trouble? Mm, Sure. Well, there could be a couple of possibilities. It could have been someone that rebelled against Paul's authority. But back in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says there's a man in your church that is living in sin with his stepmother, and you should remove the man from your fellowship. Then in today's passage, he's asking that same church to forgive and comfort him and welcome him back into the body of Christ. Apparently, this discipline led to this man's repentance. Linda, I wondering, would this play out in the church today? Yeah, I don't think we see that much today. We can imagine that this instruction from Paul to excommunicate this man probably sounded like a difficult thing for the church leaders to carry out. And maybe the leaders even tried to consider ways to get around it. Rolling out discipline is never fun. Nope. We might try to avoid it, searching for easier routes first, hoping for repentance. But neglecting to discipline typically just enables the wrong actions to continue, right? Uh, No. Yeah, right. (laughs) So what was it then about this discipline and these believers in the Corinthian church that allows this to take place? These Corinthian believers knew the importance of relationships and connections. Pastor Steve reminded us just a few weeks ago here at Watermark that the greatest culture cu- cultural currency in Corinth at the time was public honor and personal glory. Mm. When Paul started the Corinthian church a few years prior, he was with them for a year and a half and taught them, among other things, the importance of developing godly relationships, which lead to unity in the church. These life-giving relationships were not self-serving, but for the building up of the church body, for the glory of God. So this occurrence took place because the repentant man allowed himself to be humbled by God and desired restoration. Living in genuine community with believers in the church teaches us to be loving, humble, and transparent with one another and with God, although that can be difficult sometimes too, but when we know that we are truly loved, we can be more accepting of discipline. Effective discipline requires relationship. Mm, Let me repeat that. That's good. Effective discipline requires relationship, a meaningful relationship. And I would add the discipline has to hurt. Both are necessary. So this man complied with the instruction to be put out of the church He sought forgiveness Mm -hmm. and desired to be brought back into community with his church family, his brothers and sisters in Christ. If he did not have a genuine relationship with God and with his fellow believers within the church, the discipline probably would not have carried quite the same weight. Oh, I agree. Um, And I would have us ask ourselves, too, are we invested in our faith family, Mm. building and strengthening relationships serving God together and sharing our lives with each other? Are we committed to each other? 
I think a lot of us miss the importance of prioritizing relationships with our brothers and sisters in our church families. It's in these relationships that God can teach us so much about himself, and through them, we can be blessed beyond measure. So the members of this early church were learning to confront sin in in their body of believers in hopes of seeing repentance and restoration. Even though they may have had the relationship currency to do this, um, Linda, why do you think they had been kind of holding back before Paul sent his letter? Pride and Mm. comfort. Mm. Yeah, um, they thought they were doing just fine as a church, right? And... um, And here's another reality. You know, we judge people all the time and we don't even think twice about it, whether we're right or wrong. But when we truly know that someone in the church is outwardly sinning, we can feel real uncomfortable about confronting them. Definitely. That is true. Nobody wants to be the bad guy or say anything. I'm not going to tell him. You tell him. No, you tell him. (laughs) (laughs) But if we ignore the sin, it just grows. It becomes rooted, making it more painful to deal with. Maybe they wanted to be able to boast about how accepting they were as a church and how well they were getting along with one another. I'm going to stop you there because this is happening in churches in our community right now. I mean, I was just talking to a woman the other day, and she was really boasting about how accepting their church was. Mm. Um, You know, and they were (laughs) accepting everything they probably should. But anyways... um, You know what? We do the same thing when we don't have that conversation that we need to have with one of our brothers. Oh, that is true. Why do we do that? Mm. Is it because we just want to be liked? Is it because we're trying to avoid confronting sin in our own hearts? Confronting sin can seem risky. We might fear the breakdown of relationships in the body and even loss of resources. One of my favorite authors, Tim Keller, says, Any love that is afraid to confront the beloved is really not love, but a selfish desire to be loved. Ooh, do you know anyone like that? (laughs) I I was just going to ask you if you knew any people pleasers, but I realize I have been guilty of that. I don't want anybody to get mad at me. No. Can't everyone just all get along? Can't we just be patient and let the natural consequences play out? No, no. (laughs) real love is not afraid to tell the truth. The enemy, Satan, wants us to become more and more accepting of sin. This is one of his schemes. He wants us to think sin is harmless or that we need to hide our sin, live in Mm -hmm. shame, and stay isolated from our brothers and sisters, keep them at a comfortable distance. We have to reject those. Those are lies of the enemy. They are, you guys, but remember, Satan only has the same old tactics. He's not coming up with anything new. That's Mm. why the scripture says we are familiar with his schemes. We can know him. We need to know our enemy so that we won't be caught off guard. He'll learn our weaknesses and keep lying to us. When we push people away or feel ourselves withdraw and isolate, that's the enemy. He wants to disrupt the unity of the body. The minute you recognize that he is up to something in your life, don't give in. Run to the Father, run to a brother or sister in Christ, and come against the enemy together. Stay in community. There is some real wisdom in life in what you just said, Linda. Um, You know, these leaders and members heeded Paul's instruction and threw the unrepentant sinner out of the church. Paul says that this was punishment enough, and now it was time to forgive and comfort this man. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. Paul also warns us to avoid isolating another believer, as you did, as well as another scheme of Satan's, getting us to hold on to unforgiveness. 
Yes, that's true. Maybe most of us can think of a time that we asked forgiveness from someone and they wouldn't forgive. Or maybe they said, I forgive you, but they didn't ever try to restore the relationship. I'm so thankful we've all been offered forgiveness and restoration through Christ. And God also commands us to forgive one another. But Ed, why is forgiveness especially important within the body of Christ? Mm, That's a good question. You know, even though it feels like totally impossible at times, Forgiveness is an act of obedience that promotes unity in our marriages, family, and in the body of Christ. When you think about what strengthens relationships, it's often walking through adversity together and seeing victory on the other side, especially if it's a slim, hard-fought victory. We can only have victory if we lean into God's design for the body of Christ, living not in isolation, but in relationship with one another, unified in Christ. Excellent. Excellent. So forgiveness, comfort, and focusing on unity of the body, so important. So Lynn and I trust that God has spoken to you in this teaching. So would you be willing to talk to another believer about what the Spirit of God is telling you, or perhaps what he's asking you to do? Listen, we love you guys, and we want to see restoration and unity in the body of Christ. Hey, Linda, would you pray? Yes, sure. Father God, the purpose of discipline is restoration. You are the God of restoration, and we praise you. You -hmm. discipline us because of your great and perfect love for your children. God, help us to humbly submit to your authority. Give us the courage to be transparent with you and with our church family, and to stop trying to hide our sin. We pray that you strengthen and deepen our relationships, both with you and with one another, and that our desire would be for truth and unity. Holy Spirit, show us where we need to forgive and comfort one another and help us to recognize the enemy's schemes. We need you, Lord. We submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great one.